welcome to the Healing Courageously podcast, where we engage in open, honest, and healthy conversation about everything from addiction, abuse, and recovery to marriage, family, and spirituality. We hope you find this podcast helpful. Our goal is that you will find a new way of living as you look closer at yourself in these areas of your life, which will lead to a happier and healthier you. Now here's your host, Randy Boyd. Greetings and thank you for joining us on this episode of Healing Courageously. And today we are privileged to have a father-son here and Neil Williams is the founder of the Elevated Lifestyle Academy, LLC. It's a, he's a life coach, recovery coach, um, and his father is just a supporter of his. He's been on the journey with Neil, and together they wrote a book. Uh, his father's name is Rex, Rex Williams, I'm sorry about that. And together they wrote the book called Letters Home, A Journey into Recovery. And that will be available March 1st. You can pre-order the book now on Amazon. Uh, via Kindle. So if you want to, we're going to talk about the book a little bit and as we go through there. Feel free to go on there and pre-order the book for them. It, it's going to be a, a, a sensational book of, of a journey of re- recovery. So we'll just start with Neil and, and Rex. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey and then towards the end of it, how you, what led you to start Elevated uh, Lifestyle? Sure. So you want me to go first? Yeah, it's fine. You guys, you guys can kind of intermingle however you want to do it and Yeah. Okay. Well, sure. Um, You know, we're in Dallas, Fort Worth. We've been here as long as I've been alive. This has been home for me. Um, So we're sitting about 20 minutes, 15 minutes from where I was born, uh, maybe less than that. And, um, you know, the childhood was fine. We, We had a healthy family dynamic and everybody was happy and healthy. And we had a lot of good times and a lot of good memories. I, my addiction and, and that kind of thing didn't really become an issue until probably the early years of high school, you know, and late middle school, junior high. I got in some trouble, but it wasn't it wasn't serious until high school. And that was when my health was in jeopardy. And, you know, I was contemplating taking my life and attempting it at one point. And um, so you know, what was once a a really healthy relationship with my dad and I growing up became very distant because I didn't really, it was relationships with everybody in my life became distant. And I didn't, I felt disconnected from everyone. And so I pushed people away even further and kind of sunk back into my, my addiction and just did my thing. Um, Coming out of that, you know, and that was for a good 12 years, 10 to 12 years so my late 20s, really reaching an all-time low. I was I, I found myself homeless. I was wanted for some felony warrants. Um, so when I did, when I was found, I was going to go away for a while. And I just didn't want to live anymore. And uh, when it came time for me to change, there was really no one else I, I was comfortable looking towards other than God, if he existed in my dad. And so he was kind of there waiting for me all along. And um, the fact that he did that and that he was there for me and then walked with me because what would 
happened right after that would be a year and a half of incarceration and then some really difficult years of me trying to piece together a life as a young adult who has nothing to show for it, you know, because I was now almost 30 years old, no college degree. I'm a convicted felon. And in my mind, I'm just another junkie who's trying to make something of this mess that I've made. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of curious. I want to hear after me saying that I kind I'm kind of curious how you see it. Well, I remember, you know, being, <laughs> When uh, I have two boys, and Neil is the youngest of the two, and uh, when they were probably, oh, age uh, eight and, uh, and 11, I, I felt like I had the, the perfect life. I had, I had my own business, uh, family was great, everything was going great. I felt like maybe I should write a book, you know, man? I, I, I'm the perfect dad and I should just write this book. And then, you flip just a few years later and I, I've got a, a wife who has serious emotional issues. I have a son who's in jail and he can't figure it out. He's in and out of rehab and I don't know what to do. I, I remember uh, getting a phone call from the police and I think Neil was maybe 15 at this point. And they said, we have your son here at the Sonic and he and another kid are here with a six pack of beer. And I'm thinking, my son? That's my son you're talking about? And so I go up to the Sonic and sure enough, and it just hit me in the face that this is what he's up to. And I was clueless about all this. And then come to find that was just a peek into what was going on. And so fast forward late, later to 2013, and uh, I guess he's 27 at that point. I, yeah, I get a phone call. I'm in Phoenix celebrating Easter with my in-laws and uh, it's Neil. And he said, dad, I'm in jail again. And I mean, again, so it's been numerous times by this point, numerous rehabs. And I said, well, what are you going to do? He said, well, dad, I, I guess I'm going to do what you've been telling me to do and, and let go and let God. And I said, well, great. You know, do I believe it? It's been so many failed attempts. So I said, great you know that's great okay i'll see you when i get home and but that was the beginning of his what i like to call his resurrection because that was an easter weekend when it happened and that was the beginning of when he decided to finally make a change and that's really kind of the beginning of where this book starts uh, uh because that's uh was the beginning of his incarceration and from that point, we started to write to one another and communicate to one another, and I'd go visit him. And so this book is a, a compilation of about two years of letters. Cool. So, Neil, I want to ask you a question because, you know, with a perfect childhood and a lot of a lot of people that dive into addiction, their childhoods are pretty messed up. they got a lot of underlying issues that, that adhere to it. So... I, just out of curiosity, what was it that drove you into your addiction? What was it that made you decide, hey, I'm, I'm going to go down this path? And I know addiction plays a big part in that. It grabs a hold of us. But what was the underlying, I guess, the underlying push for you that pushed you that way? Yeah, and that's, I'm glad you asked that question because that's important. A lot of, a lot of folks who struggle with addiction also have 
some mental illness mm -hmm. stuff going on too. And a lot of times it's, well, which one came first? Was it, you know, the substance or mine was the, which I'll call the clinical stuff. Um, I had it later. I understood it to be anxiety and depression and I just didn't like myself and I didn't, I was uncomfortable. And what made it more complicated at age 10, 11 was I looked around me and I saw everything that a lot of my friends wished they could have um, a healthy family dynamic, both parents, uh, the ability to play sports and make friends, all these things that told me I should be happy. And then I have these people around me saying, we, you know, you have everything you could ever dream of, you know, take advantage of this. Don't be ungrateful. And I agree with that 100%. There was something in me that told me I was ugly, stupid, didn't fit, wasn't good, quit trying, shut up, stop talking. And I'm not talking about every couple, every couple hours throughout the day, I'll hear a little voice. I'm talking about I wake up, it wait, it's already awake. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, waiting for you. Uh, let's tell you all the things that suck about you. And and it was just all the time. And so I couldn't sleep and I didn't want to tell anybody about it. And so I got a little bit older and found things, found out that there were things out there that'll just make you feel better. And I was like, oh, well, what's that? They're like, well, you can drink, you can smoke, you can snort this, you can take that. And I was like, well, let's start here. And as soon as that got old, it was, well, what else? What else? What else? Because I can't go back. I can't go back to feeling again because I didn't like I didn't like the emotions I got. And I and I can't hear those thoughts because I don't want to I don't want to talk to that voice. And so once I saw any avenue away from that, I was sold. And you it didn't you couldn't tell me any different. So I didn't see it as. I didn't, I didn't feel like a victim and I didn't want people to feel sorry for me because I had everything I needed. I, and, you know, um, it's still, I still think about it sometimes, you know, because all these guys that I know so well who came from really, really difficult situations. Um, but all I know is I was uncomfortable, unhappy and miserable in my own skin. And I found a way out and then I didn't know how to stop using it it was like i don't know how to get back from here so yeah, that's really important for people to hear you know because like in my case it was all abuse that i that i struggled with but when you're talking about i felt uncomfortable in my own skin i just wanted to feel comfortable all those feelings you were expressing you had a comfortable childhood good childhood and you still felt that way you know, was it mental illness? I'm, I, I don't know, and I'm not going to say it was or it wasn't. But with me, it was the same feeling, but a different, different background. So it comes down to what I'm hearing, and correct me if I'm wrong, because this is important, that it's a lot of it's our emotions and how we feel inside about ourselves. And where that voice comes from doesn't really matter where the voice comes from. It's there. Right? It's there when you wake up. It's there when you go to sleep. It's there when you when you fail. I don't. I hate the word fail. It's 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 there when you trip doing something that you want to excel at. See, you can't do it. You'll never. You're never going to amount to nothing. Those those voices. So it's, I think that's really important. The contrast, and that actually helps me also, right? Um, because I'm always looking for an underlying issue with the trauma because of a lot of the people I work with have some underlying trauma. So. It's not always trauma. 
it could just be I didn't like the way I felt and and it's like you said you can't go back it grabs a hold of you and so you just keep going forward and, and it's like you don't you don't like it you don't want to you don't want to be there but you don't know you can't go backwards and it's like 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 your dad keeps saying and like he said, it's only because of God and, and I believe wholeheartedly that if we don't have God in the center of our recovery the chances of staying recovered for long term is next to nothing because God's the one that will give us that strength. That's been my experience and all the ones that I work with. And the ones that, that relapse, they don't have God in their life. You know? So it sounds like you had, that, yeah. you had that divine intervention when you were in, in prison the last time. And you said it. It's I was trying to do all this outside work when I needed inner work. And it didn't matter. My dad, I mean, there were times where I think he got physical with me and I know, and that's because I was instigating stuff. And I know there were a few times where he said some things when he was just angry and pissed off. But other than that, it was nothing but supportive, loving, uh, positive reinforcement, like, I had that voice, but I couldn't hear it because mine was so loud mm -hmm. that it was pretty much like, we're not taking any other opinions. Thank you for your comments. <laughs> you know, it was like, yeah. put it in the suggestion box, but we'll, we're yeah. probably not going to read it. Right. Exactly. You know, one of the things that, that I want people to hear is this was so surprising to me that he was having these issues because from the outside, he had it all going on. Mm -hmm. He, he was athletic. He was he was smart. School was was probably too easy for him. Uh, he uh, he had friends. He was good looking kid, you know. And there was no reason. Uh, I mean, he was one of the kids that you would think other kids would envy. Uh, and then for for us to notice his grades dropping, and then for him to lose interest in sports. You're kidding me. This kid loves sports. Now he, he could care less about baseball. No, you love it. And that's when I knew something's up. And I remember in the middle of this journey, somewhere along the line, uh, just out of frustration, I remember we're sitting on the front porch and he's been in and out of rehab. And I turned to him and I said, Neil, this is not, I don't really think this is a physical problem. This is a heart problem, and you've got to address it. And I, I just remember that I knew that I knew that it was a deep-seated spiritual issue, that until that was dealt with, we weren't going anywhere. Right. Good. It's that spiritual malady that we have. You know? Right. And it's like, you said something that's really important, Rex, and I, and I hope that if parents are listening to this, that they heard what you said. You notice his grade. He noticed. You notice he didn't like baseball anymore. And I did the same thing. I was a baseball player. I didn't like baseball anymore. I didn't like playing my guitar anymore. I went from an A student to barely graduate from high school, right? And you you notice that, and you recognize something's not right. A lot of parents don't even recognize that. My parents certainly didn't because they were they were very abusive. But um, they just said I was stupid and so on and so forth. But I would hope that parents heard what you said and that if, if your son's grades are dropping suddenly or they quit doing the things they love, it's time to get involved in their life at a deeper level 
and find out what's going on. Why, why is your grades dropping? You know, why you love baseball? Why are you quitting playing? I mean, it's a different level of involvement, but I think that if parents could do that, their children might have a lot better chance of coming out on the other side better. I mean, you did what you could do at that point. You noticed it, right? And you were there. You supported him. You didn't negate him. And, and that's another important thing. We can't negate our children. They're having troubles for a reason. They weren't born to have troubles. They're, they're struggling for a reason. What is it? Let's find out what it is. Let's get them all the help we can. Yeah, through this whole process, the overarching theme that I know, that I know, that I know, is if you can keep the lines of communication open, there is hope. Absolutely. And uh, for the most part, through this whole saga, we were able to talk. If we could connect some way, mm-hmm. we, could, we had communication. So I, I was thankful for that. That's that's key for any relationship is you have to have that open communication, um, and a lot of people don't have it. They don't even. A lot of people, in my in my view, and what I've worked with, they don't know how to communicate properly. They think just talking at you is communication. Right? It's more than talking at you. It's talking with you. And to me, the key component of communication is being able to listen and hear what the other person is really saying, to the best of your ability. And that's, it sounds when I'm hearing that communication line and Neil shaking his head, yeah, that, that's the communication that you guys had. And, I, you know, I, I, I could assume in looking at Neil that he's really grateful that he had that communication. I, I, think, I think if that communication, correct me if I'm wrong, Neil, if that communication line wasn't open, he wouldn't have called you that Easter in prison. I'm not going to call my dad. Yeah, you know, no. Yeah, I, in fact, I think... And I called him, this was the first time I'd ever called him and not asked him to bail me out. Um, And I didn't, because I wasn't trying to leave and I wasn't trying to call anybody. I was, I was calling him to let him know where I was at because actually I had been texting my brother. My brother's a detective, by the way. And so during this time, my brother and I were not real close. And we've always been close and we are now. But so anyways, he had messaged me and he, because my dad's out of town, but we still have a family Easter thing that we do here every year. And he's like, hey, is your broke ass going to be there, basically? And like, yeah, I'll be there. Well, I got arrested. And so I was like, oh, no, he's going to be really mad. And so I was trying to let somebody know, which, by the way, a year and a half later when I got out, and I saw messages from my brother. He he was pissed that I didn't show up. He was messed. He didn't know I was in jail, but I got to read those messages a year and a half later. But um, you know, it was I always felt comfortable, no matter how low I was, and no matter how bad it had become, I always felt comfortable going in at least telling him, Hey, here's where I'm at. I had and I knew he was disappointed. I was disappointed. I was disappointed in what I had become and not knowing how, how to stop it. But I knew I could at least tell him and he wouldn't stop loving me. And so, so when I, and now I working with families like I do, I can say 97, probably 99% of them. One of the top issues within the home is lack of communication or miscommunication or 
dysfunctional communication, right? The lines of communication are broken, non-existent, or just gross. And why are we talking to our loved ones that way? Why, why are we doing that? And thinking that they'll just fix fix themselves. So that is, a, I'm glad you, you stopped and focused on it for a minute because that's huge. You're absolutely right. Rex, how did it make you feel like when he called you from prison and didn't ask, ask you to bail him out for once? Sounds like. Well, uh, again, at that point, I'm pretty jaded. You know, we've been going on for 10, 12 years, uh, in and out, in and out. And, and it, everything seems to fail. I mean, he had just been in Dumas, Texas for a while, and he wasn't out of there uh, a few weeks and his drugging and dealing again. So I guess in a way, uh, I, I was very skeptical. Uh, I was thankful that he called. I was always glad to hear him, hear from him, uh, just to know he's still alive because there are times when I wondered if he was still alive. I had this reoccurring dream that someone was gonna drop him off dead on my front porch. And I would get up in the middle of the night and guess, just go check my front porch to see if his lifeless body was there. Wow. And I was thankful that he wasn't, you know. Uh, I didn't know where he was, but I was thankful his dead body wasn't on my front porch. Uh, but to hear, hear him call was always a good thing. But truly, at this call, I don't know that I really believed it. I appreciated what he was saying, but I wasn't convinced. So at this point, it was like, okay, you're not convinced. He called. He's 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 speaking again, but it was time for action, basically. Oh, oh definitely. And um, we began to communicate. I went to visit him in jail, and and at that point, uh, he uh, as he, as we spoke in jail, I could tell that he had a desire to be different, and. When he wound up in jail, oddly enough, one of his friends was there in jail and had already decided that he needed to get sober and clean. And one of the ways to do that was to pursue God. And so it's just interesting how God placed his friend in the same jail he was going to. And they together began to walk out this path to sobriety, embracing what God had for them. That's awesome. So we talked a lot about the addiction, right? And your where it led you and led you to the point in prison where you where you uh, finally decide, okay, I need to get help. So let's talk shortly about your recovery. What what did it take? You know, how did you You know, how did you pursue your recovery? It started in prison, we know that. Um, but what led you to, to stay on the path of this recovery? which eventually led you to starting Elevated Lifestyle. Let's talk about that a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, the fun stuff, the good part of the story, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My, when I was incarcerated, a good friend of mine, we'd grown up together, played baseball together, uh, partied together a little bit, and then kind of gone our respective ways. He had, He's in the program, a 12-step program, and he had come to see me, and we'd been talking because he'd been sober for a couple years. And we still loved each other. We're still good friends. And he'd reach out and be like, you know, you ready? You, you want to try something different? I was like, no, nah, not yet, not yet. 
And he came to see me this time and I'd been there for some months. And he was like, so what do you want to do when you get out? And I say, hey, I'm, I'm serious about it. I, I want what you have. What's, how did you get weirdly happy like you are? What's wrong with you now? I'd like to have that wrong with me, you know? And so he said, okay, well, when you get out, give me a shout and we'll do it. So I called him and I said, what do I do? And he said, you need to get your sponsor. And so I got a sponsor. I worked the steps. Um, I have, I've been to everything there is. I've been to CA, DAA, AA, NA, Celebrate Recovery. I've been to all that um, at this time in my life. And when I was willing, it was AA. That just happened to be where I worked the steps in the program that I've come to love in my life. But um, I, uh, I'm a fan of whatever works. And so for me at that time, it was AA. And so I got real involved in the program. I worked the steps with a sponsor. I made friends. Well, the first thing I did, I moved into a halfway house because I still had nothing. And so a halfway house in West Texas let me live there for a hundred bucks a week um, until I could afford to move out. And so I moved out there and went to meetings. Um, I went to work. I went to the gym. I went to church and I did that like clockwork. And I did not mess around in my friends or either in the program or in the church or in the gym or at work. And that's what it is. There's it was a non-negotiable. It was I'm going A, B, C, D sleep and I'm not messing around because I've it. Every time I thought about doing something, I asked myself, I basically interviewed myself. Are you qualified to do that yet? No, my track record is grossly bad. Like, no, and history shows you can't do that successfully. Yes, I'm not going. You know, I didn't date. I didn't have a relationship for the first year out after getting out of jail. So two and a half years sober, I think, was the first time I had a real relationship. And I, I, I mean, I learned how to handle money while I was broke. I started um, learning how to lift weights uh, safely and effectively. I learned how to eat healthy. I learned about nutrition. I learned about um, how to meditate, how to pray. I learned how to sponsor people. I learned how to mentor people. I poured everything I had that had been going to getting dope, using dope, selling dope. Now into, I have a body and a brain and endless resources. Like money, people, opportunity is abundant. And I felt like I had just been released into the wild. And I had this fresh canvas, this blank canvas, this fresh opportunity. And I just like lost myself in getting well and then helping others get well. And once I, once I learned the second piece of getting well, once I learned that it was actually helping others get well too, that was when things just blossomed. And so I had, I built a, a really good career and God started to show me that I was supposed to be doing something else. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's when I, um, you know, the idea came through a process of things, but I, I was already mentoring some guys, coaching them and doing a lot of sponsorship. Um, 
And so it just came together and I was basically being obedient by starting the business and leaving my job behind. Uh, I knew God was telling me to do it. I knew that he wanted me to do it because he wanted to use me through it. And for me to get in the way of that uh, would have just been crazy. Um, and so that that's how it was born. That's how the coaching business came to life. That's awesome. Yeah, we, we'll it was amazing from my standpoint to watch this happen. Uh, he got got out, and he was he went from washing cars to eight years later being a GM of a multi million dollar company. That just doesn't happen. Right. It's and so it was. There was no question that God had His hand on him, and should he choose to make the right choices, he was. He was gonna succeed. Right. Yeah, it was so, so, so encouraging to watch. Yeah, they say. I mean, I, when I first walked into the rooms, they say, "Whatever you want in life, you can achieve and have, as long as you don't drink again, as long as you do the work." And it and it's true. And sometimes those things can be like like he's walking away from a, a, a career to start this coaching business. It, you know, it's it's all you can do is trust that this is what God's called you to do, you know, because that's all that's what it is. I mean, I walked away from a forty-year career in construction, very successful construction company, to start all the stuff that I've been doing now since two thousand eleven. Right. Yes. So, it, as long as we're obedient, like you said, Neil, nothing nothing's going to get in our way. Or if it does, we God's there to get us our you know get us through it, not around it, not over it, but get us through it. So it's all it's right. a lesson. So, so Rex, would, you know, you commented a little bit about it, but as his father, you know, what was it like watching all this unfold? Do you, you mean while he was incarcerated or the good stuff? The good stuff, the good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the, we're talking good stuff, yeah. Well, the good stuff was very rewarding because when he was incarcerated, I would remind him who he was, that uh, my grandfather and my father were just wonderful men encouraging uh, men who worked hard, men who, who loved God. And I would tell Neil, this is your heritage. You are this person. You're not a drug dealer, drug user. This, that's not who you are. This is who you are. And I want you to embrace your heritage and be that man. And so to see this happen was so rewarding to see, yes, he is embracing who he can be. And it's, the, the opportunities are limitless. So it, so after having 12 years of desperation and anger and sadness for this, it was uh, very encouraging. It, it, it's almost worth it. You know, if anything, you know, if you can say that, it's almost worth it. Yeah, because I would not appreciate who he is now and what he is now as much were it not for those 12 years of hell. Right, exactly. My wife always says, I'm glad Randy was an alcoholic. I'm, I'm grateful that he's a, you know, a recovering alcoholic. I'm grateful that he was abused. And I'm grateful of all those things too, because if it wasn't for those things, we wouldn't be who we are today. You know, and right. it's not, yeah, yeah. Does, do we want to see anybody go through that? No, absolutely not. But for myself, I want to be who I was today. I want to be able to help the people I'm helping. Neil wants to be able to help the people that he's helping. Um, because of our experience, our, I, I feel, Neil and Rex, that 
our helping people comes from our heart. It doesn't come from our book, from, from our heads, uh, for academia. I mean, that stuff helps, but our experience is what really draws people to us. That's been my experience. Yeah, I agree 100%. So, Neil, can you explain exactly what uh, Elevated Lifestyle Academy is for us? So yes. So I'm, I'm a life coach and I also do case management. So what I like to do is um, work with adolescents and young adult men. And so I spend time with them and that's where the life coaching is. And then I work with the parents separately and kind of address the whole family dynamic, um, especially with these younger guys who are still in the home. Um, it involves everybody. So, you know, addiction involves everybody. So does recovery. And so I really try to help them uh, up close and personal. It's very involving. And I talk to them throughout the week and it's helping them make that transition into a healthier lifestyle. So I help them with nutrition. I help them with workouts. We're talking about relationships. It's a full scale life skills. It, it's a full transition into a new lifestyle and then you become a different person. Uh, you know all about it. So I'm really just there to support them, help them navigate and provide all the tools um, to give them the best opportunity to be successful in that. That's awesome. Rex, do you ever step in with a family? You ever have your dad step in, help with the families a little bit and help them understand? You know, that's an interesting question because I, uh, Neil has asked me, dad, would you be comfortable if a, a parent needed somebody to talk to? And I said, absolutely. And so I have had opportunity to speak to a parent as they are struggling with this, what do I do situation and, and how do I not enable? Uh, I was a huge enabler uh, and, and how do, so it's been good and it's, it's a very redemptive thing for me to be able to help uh, another parent going through the same struggle. And that's what I hope uh, part of the book promotes is open discussion uh, because this is such a parents or families love to hide the fact that they have an addict child, yeah. especially in the, the Christian world, mm -hmm. you know, because we want to play like we're perfect and obviously we're not. And so I, I hope the book opens some discussion that may not have otherwise happened uh, about this cancer that's in families of addiction uh but yes it's been a pleasure to be able to to help other parents who are in a similar situation as as i had been but i'm and i'm real careful with this because i have boundaries and you know i respect the families and their privacy and and so there's a lot of things that come into play with that stuff and so i'm respecting everyone and also trying to protect my family. I'm careful with stuff like that, but I'm so thankful that he's willing because it's happened more than once where I'm talking to a dad and I just, and we develop close relationships that I do with the families. Mm -hmm. It's impossible not to. Absolutely. And it's such a blessing that happens in a very difficult time. That's just one of the many blessings that comes out of it. And so in those instances, when they're confiding in me, it's helpful sometimes. And I've asked them, said, Hey, listen, I know you want to believe what I'm saying. Would it help you if you heard it from my dad? 
because I'm telling you my, our real life experience and you as the father don't are you're having trouble trusting me and I get it. But what if you heard my dad say the exact same thing? And in that instance, it's it, it's sometimes the one thing you need. Like mm -hmm. I, I have to look at everything like this could be the one thing. This could be the one thing that gives him hope. This could be the one thing that helps him from losing it today because it's that real. Um, so having him and him just with a grateful attitude to be a part of what God's doing is the coolest thing ever. It's one of those little bonus rewards later down the road. Uh, absolutely. I think it's important that I'm glad that your dad's willing to do that. And your boundaries are, are, you know, those are really important too. And the fact that you want to protect your father, protect your family, period, is, is a really important part of this because, you know, our family's everything to us, but not, but, um, so I'm glad, Rex, that you do get involved. I think it's it's vital um, that the father or parent gets involved in this kind of, uh, of a coaching. It's like with my wife, you know, she's mentored women for a long time, and then we all of a sudden we started getting marriages involved, and I'll bring her. Now she's pretty much 100% involved when we deal with marriages, but it was always, I think, probably who you want to talk to first is my wife, all right? And so I, my wife is game for it now, but I used to get permission from her first because I want to protect her. I don't want her to you know, step into something she doesn't want to do. But now it's like, no, you need to hear from my wife because she was in the same shoes that you were in 14 years ago or, or whatever. Um, and it does, it does make a difference. It makes a big difference and it helps people. Because like, like you said, you know, it's, it's a family. It's not just the addict, it's the family too. And with, with my book, Healing the Wounded Child Within, about abuse, that's the same thing. It's not just, it wasn't just me, it was my entire family that it affects. So Kathy's, uh, she's very um, uh, passionate about helping the families of survivors as well, helping them through, you know, their issues that were attached to the, to the victim's issues. So it's, to me, anytime a family member wants to be involved in our counseling work, I think it's a great idea. I, I just, I actually yeah. think it's imperative to be honest with you. Yeah. It, it should be a requirement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be a requirement. Yeah. But then again, you know, if, you, if you're talking therapists or counselors, PhDs, they, they, they don't, they can't cross that line. Where no, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what's cool about what I do. And I'm, I'm grateful for that, yeah. that I, I, I have a lot more freedom yep. and it, it oh man it makes a world of difference it really does because we as coaches we have so much more areas that we can work in and so many lines that therapists can't cross yeah so it's not that we're we're reckless and careless what we do i mean there, there's cases where i say hey i'm going to refer you to somebody else i just that you're over and above yeah. what i can handle i think that's important too you know, so. yeah absolutely knowing where the line is so you talked about adolescents and young adults. So what is the overall population? And, and of course, the family members. Um, is it just men? Is it men and women? What is your overall population? What does that look like? I just work with the boys anywhere from ages 15 to 30 normally. I've worked with some guys who are in their 30s, okay. um, and, I'm, and I'm comfortable with it. It just, the way it's happened is I've had a lot more guys from, 
usually the average I'd say is anywhere from 17 to 24, okay. but I've worked with guys between 15 and 36. Okay. Perfect. That's good to know. So people know that. Um, mm -hmm. so what, and just uh, the boys, just the, just the boys and, and, and uh, 15, 15 to 30 is, is the, the minimum and the maximum that you go. Okay. Yeah. That's a good spot. Okay. What, and I, I, I've looked at your website, but what, uh, services, what are all the services that you, that you, uh, provide, that you provide or offer, um, just so the listeners can, can get it. Anybody that might be interested can, can understand. Sure. It's normally broken down into either live coaching case management or a consulting role. Okay. Um, I, I do interventions as well. Um, but it's usually a full scale work with live coaching, case management and consulting. And if they ever want to talk to me, it always, we always learn what the best service is in the first conversation. Okay. Um, but I've always, I always like to talk to him before I can say what the right fit would be. Yeah, that was going to be, um, well, I was going to ask one other question besides that, but you know, who are, are you the only, I think he said at the beginning of our conversation off air that right now it's just you, but you're looking to expand. So you're pretty much the sole owner participant. You're the one that's just sound. You sound a lot like me. You're just doing everything. Yeah. Right now it's just me. Um, I work with a, a partner with a lot of great folks, mm -hmm. um, in the community. Um, and really it's it's about i'm so busy right now that i don't even have time to bring some people on but as soon as i get make time for that um, i'm excited to do that as well and expand a little bit so we're looking forward to that cool yeah that'll, that'll be nice so um the last question i have for you is i think you touched on a little bit but what is the process and how can someone see if they are fit for your services the best fit would be to ask yourself, are you at a place to where you're ready to receive some support and getting to the next level? It's, it's all about, are you ready to make a change? And do you feel like you need some support in doing that? Um, if you're at that place and you just don't know what the next step is, call. Call you. So they can, I'll put your website up there so they can go to your website. I think you had a, mm -hmm. contact, you had a contact form on there, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, you can you can shoot me a message directly from the website. Okay, cool. So if you're interested in, in Neil's services, um, just reach out to him. There's a contact form on his website, elevate, elevatedlifestyleacademy.com. I put it up here on the screen for you to all see. Just reach out to Thank him. Thank you. And, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, just reach out to him and, and set up a, a, a conversation with him if you can or um, – and see if it's a fit for you. It, it, if you know if you're struggling with addiction, the, and your family's there too. I mean, looking at it, hearing what you guys have said, that's a perfect fit for somebody that's ready. You know, you got to be ready to dive into this. Well, and that's the other thing I do want to add that in real quick is, I don't even need people to ask themselves if they need my service. If they just don't know who to call and they need to talk to somebody, just call them. Yeah. I do that all like I just want people to call me. If if you need to talk to somebody, give me a call. Absolutely. I mean, that's part of our service work for God, number one, and then also in, in yeah. the program. It's service that we provide to people that, you know, hey, if you need to talk, we're here. 
you know and then yeah. if, if, if you if you can if you decide to journey with us that's great you know but, yeah but at least let's let me have a conversation with you help you through the moment that you're in right now and absolutely I, I had one client that he was a 15 year old kid he came to one of our sexual abuse survivors groups five years later he called me up and i, I was with him for a year uh coaching him five years after the first time i met him so you know we just never know i just got a I got an email from somebody. That's awesome. I got an email from somebody that saw one of my uh, my YouTube uh, posts from five years ago. He just saw it and he reached out to me. So yep. we, just, we just never know, you know. We, that we, stuff's we, real. That yeah. stuff is real. Yeah. So, Rex, what do you what you know as far as parents? Do you want to say anything directly to the parents that you might that might benefit them or? You know. The overarching thing is is keep lines of communication open. I I think I was always reminding Neil of who he was. Who he was was not who he was being at that time. That there was an amazing person inside of him wanting to come out. And I, I felt like my goal was always to let him know the possibilities. And if he was willing to guide him in that direction. I was just so thankful that we always had a relationship. And I, and I want parents to hear that. I mean, I'm passionate about this part because parents, you gotta keep, you gotta, you gotta keep the open lines of communication. And I, and I understand that having a son or a daughter that's struggling with addiction can be, can be terrifying, can be taxing, emotionally draining, but they're your child. Right? They're a child of God, and, and they're, yeah. they're not born that way. They, they need you in their life more than ever. And my feeling is they don't need you to tell them what they need to do. They know what they need to do. They don't, Neil even said, I don't want to be this way, but I can't go back. I don't know how to do any other, I, I don't know how to live any other way, right? Yeah. So they need your love. They need your support. They just need to know that when they reach out to you, as Neil did when he was in prison, that maybe, maybe you don't believe them, that's okay, but they need to know that you love them unconditionally. That's yeah. the, that's and I will, I will say this, that one of the things that was very helpful for me was tapping into Al-Anon and talking to other parents who were in the same position mm -hmm. because I felt somewhat isolated uh, as a parent. And so having that connection with other parents mm -hmm. was very helpful. That, that, that's key. I'm glad you brought that up because what, you know, what's a community that you're hanging, you know, what, what community are you part of for Neil and Alcoholics Anonymous, me, Alcoholics Anonymous, you and Al, what is that community? Are they there to support you? Right. That's what you need. You need the support of a community. You don't need a community telling, well, just get rid of them or do this, which a lot of people, they don't know how to help other people. So they just spout out stuff. That's like, critical and harmful right you know, so it's, well it's they were helpful for me to also establish boundaries because mm -hmm. I, I was a big enabler and uh, just because i loved him and wanted to help him but my help wasn't always the best thing that he needed sometimes i just needed i, I just needed to be hard yeah and that's the hard part i i'm dealing with a family right now a 40 year old son that's in bad he, he does have mental a mental disorder too but she's just a mom's beside herself she doesn't know what to do and you know 
help her the best we can. She, I think she finally stepped up to the plate and gave him the information he needed, but I don't know. It's tough as a parent. I, I'm grateful that we didn't have any of those issues with my children. I really am. Um, yeah. I, I know that I'm lucky, in, in, especially in today's world. So, right. so <clears throat> if there's, is there a question? Is there a question that either of you wish I would ask you today? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so. I, I, I tell you, I, I'm just so thankful that we're sitting here able to have this discussion today. Uh, I can remember being in a court court set courtroom setting, uh, waiting for Neil's one of Neil's many arraignments, watching a, a mother and her son. And this mother was probably 65, and her son was probably 45. And he and I overheard the discussion. Well, what are we going to do again? How can I bail you out again? And I just said, oh, God, don't let that be me. And I'm just so thankful that he answered that prayer and that we're here today. So I'm just so thankful that Neil has the life he has now. And it's a redeemed life and he's helping others. And I'm so thankful. And And I think this book will be helpful, too shedding light on what can be the amazing thing that God can do in us if we let him. If, if we let him, that's the thing. We got to have just a little bit of faith that he's going to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. You know, and yeah. That, and the last thing I would say is for anybody like that, until you've given the same effort you're given to the things that aren't working, until you've given that effort to try something different and be open-minded and really put your feet to the ground and stop talking about it until you've done that. You have no idea what kind of rewards God has just waiting for you. And so I want to encourage people to take hope in that at least try because there is 100% chance you're going to be satisfied. 100%. Absolutely. And like they used to say to me, or we hear, I heard in the rooms a lot. If you can't believe in God right now, believe that I believe. Right. Right. You know, I love that one. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's important because I walked in the room. I want nothing to do with God because of what happened to me as a, <laughs> as, a, as a kid. Right. Being abused by Christian yeah. parents. And, you know, it's, so, yeah, it, I understand that. But matter of fact, those are my favorite people to, to talk with. The ones that just. Yeah. Nah, nah, you know. But um, so, yeah. So their book, um, Letters Home, A Journey into Recovery. You can get it on Amazon. You can pre-order it right now on Amazon in the Kindle. Will it be out in paper book in March too? Paper book is March 1st. March right. 1st. You okay. can buy it uh, paper copy, paperback March 1st. Okay. So you get the paperback on Am- Amazon March 1st. Pre-order it right now. And, if, and is it available on Kindle now or that'll be on March 1st also? Kindle's right now. Okay. You can pre-order. You'll get it on March 1st. Okay. But you can pre-order on Kindle only. Right. Perfect. I'm going to order it myself. I want to read about it. I want to read it. So it Thank sounds, you. It sounds like it's a great story about a father-son journey through addiction and then into recovery, which is the most important part of any kind of book um, that we talk about the hope of healing. And and because and people, they know what it's like to, to be in an addiction. And it's like my book is uh, Healing the Wounded Child Within is about hope and healing. The, it's, I read books about it male survivors of abuse and I have to put it down because all it is is a trigger and my book mm. is not like that it's a book of hope and healing that that's what people need to hear 
you know. So they also need to hear what it was like. But um, so yeah. anyways, get their book, Letters Home: A Journey to, into Recovery on Amazon. Pre-order it right now, Kindle and paper book. You'll get it on March first. Okay. Um, you can also get my book, Healing the Wounded Child Within, on Amazon and Audible, paperback, Kindle. My 30-day devotional to wholeness is on Amazon and paperback and Kindle. And my seven-day challenge workbook is on is in Amazon on uh, paperback only. So you can pick those up there. I want to talk about we have a uh, complimentary introductory workshop to our four-day workshop coming up March 19th. Uh, it's the the the, the Workshop is Unmasking Yourself, and we'll talk about uh, healthy conversations, you're worth it, shh, secrets and lies, and the last one will be, a, uh, I think it's a journey to freedom, it's about forgiveness. So on, on uh, the 19th of March, that's a free, in, or no, no cost introductory workshop, you go to my website, go to resources, and click on the, on the, uh, workshop and you can register right there or you can contact me at courageousheelers.com so rex neil thank you very much it was a great conversation it was it's a much needed conversation and i know there's a thank lot of you. people out there that really need to hear this conversation i really appreciate you guys joining me and more than that it's i appreciate you guys I appreciate you guys the vulnerability and transparency that's i think that's key and that's what will draw a lot of people into you it, 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 that's what's worked for me and so i'm sure it'll work for you so well, thanks for thanks for having us on and helping us share our story and helping us help more people. So yeah. thank you for that. We appreciate you. And thank you for what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And anything I can do to help you, just just reach out, let me know. Um, Eddie knows how, how, you know, he knows about me. You know about me. So anything I can do to help you, I'm, I'm glad to do that. Okay. Thanks again, Randy. Yeah, of course. I'll be right back with you too. So hang loose. And I just want to say thank you all for joining us today on Healing Courageously. And we will see you on the next episode. This has been Healing Courageously with Randy Boyd. We will have a new episode every Monday. Please like us on iTunes or Google Play. If you would like to know more about the services available from Randy please visit him at changeyourlifestorynow.com. Thank you for spending time with us. We'll see you next week. And remember, if nobody tells you they love you today, Randy does. <laughs>